Hey. Hey. Hi, I'm Ashley. Hi, I'm Kara. And uh, this is Creeped Out and Creeping Around. Welcome to our podcast. So enjoy the ride. Creeped out and creeping around. Creeped out and creeping around. We're creeped out and creeping around. We're creeped out and creeping around. Creeped out and creeping up. How was your Halloween? Oh, it was so good. How was yours? Pretty fucking chill. Yeah. I <laughs> went to a party on Ooh. Friday, and I made an offering to a witch in the woods. Oh. And I gave her some of my dog's hair. <laughs> I made it <laughs> I gave them a braid of Alice and Kevin hair. Oh, that sounds like a really nice offering. You know, Alice and Kevin are pretty awesome dogs. I did. I wasn't planning on giving an, any sort of offering to a witch that day, but when I found out, I was like, "Well, I can't go empty-handed," and I had the dogs, so I was like, "Do you think their hair is good enough?" And I had this conversation with myself for about four seconds, and then I ripped Kevin's hair out. You know, just like a tuft yeah. from his butt, and he was like, "Mom, stop it." Hey, this is my hair. Hey, hey, stop it. <laughs> and then Alice let me take it willingly because he loves me. But well, and then John had made some bread that day, and so he offered her a piece of his homemade bread, and it was good. I felt good, like I was in the woods, and I was like, "Yeah, this is great." This is That's right. good. Did you like just come upon a witch, or was she like just staged there for Halloween? She okay. So I have these friends. And they run a farm, and I think they, I don't know if they put the offerings out to the witch, or maybe it was something that they found on their property, and now they're making offerings to it. But it's worked out pretty well for them so far, so. Good. And then they told me about it, and I was like, sick, let's go see that witch. Sick. And it's not like an old hag or anything, it's just like this skull mounted on a tree. Oh, okay. They bring it things from time to time. I was picturing like a, um, I don't know, like a 30-something naked woman with long red hair, very pale in the woods, just hangs out there. Man, I would love that life. I want to be a bug witch so bad. Just leave everything behind. Maybe take all my animals, because that would be really nice, but like, that's okay. But like, bog witch it up. Bog witch it up. I did watch the witch um two days ago i meant to watch hocus pocus but i haven't got there yet you know what me neither but i decided like i still have time i still have so much time it's only november oh my god my spooky season lasts so long so spooky season lasts all year long exactly now Um, that it's not spooky season anymore i am a bit depressed but yeah (laughs) whatever life goes on it's okay we can um we can get excited for other things i guess we can get excited about work. about something. Yeah, like working for this podcast ourselves. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I actually, like, um, so I had a party for Halloween. That's like right. a mini party. It was like like a few friends came. I don't know if I'd call it. A, it was like an adult party. What I've It was a gathering. Down. It was a gathering we'll of adults. get together. Yeah, and it was really fun because we uh, decided to do a Nailed It Halloween challenge, so I made a bunch oh, of yeah, cupcakes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. were you guys making? 
Um, so I made cupcakes, and then, like, I bought a million and a half decorations, and we each had to, like, replicate a picture of a cupcake from, like, Pinterest or something. Was there a prize? I was supposed to have a prize, but I completely forgot about it. The cupcake is the prize. The cupcake's the prize? Yeah, my company, I don't know, I, I was really busy... The pleasure of my company the is the The pleasure of my company. But there was some really fucking cool cupcakes that were made. I'll say that. Like, And we're really excited because we're going to do it again, I think, for Thanksgiving. Or at least Christmas. Um, so, And this time we're going to all make the same one. So, Do you have some like an outside judge coming in? Or are you just going to call yourself the winner? I don't know. Well, this time my dad judged it. Cause oh, your dad here. judged it? Yeah, he was just here. So, so who did he judge it? name the winner? Um, my friend Rach. It wasn't even you. It was not me. And it, that was okay, because she deserved to win. Her fucking cupcake was so cool. And she's like a ringer, though, too. She brought the charcuterie board with, like, a hand made of prosciutto and goat cheese. It was so delicious, and it looked so cool. She's a ringer. That's I all there is to I it. I would have seen it, like a picture of it. I mean, I still have some of the hand in the fridge. So she that. left it for me, and I've been <laughs> eating it. Um, you just got a meat hand in the fridge. It's all like a meat hand with some some cheese in it. I don't know. It's delicious. I'm into it. We got meat hands in the fridge. I have just blueberries pretty much in my fridge. Oh, cool. Nobody made me a charcuterie board. Well, I was just lucky. I made um, breadstick snakes, and they did not turn out good. They were pretty cute, but they were, like, not the way that I wanted them to be. Were they straight snakes or, like, curvy snakes? Uh, a little bit of both. <laughs> However, they fit in the pan. Because <laughs> they ran out of space. They ran out of space. I mean, I, I ran out of space. I was a little bit... I had an extra baking sheet, but it had stuff on it, and I wasn't going to move the stuff, so I just said, fuck it. I mean, you gotta sometimes just say fuck it, right? 100% every single day, that's what I say. Okay, well, let's get into this story. I'm sorry if you can hear some chewing. Um, it's the only way to keep this goddamn dog quiet, is if she just, like, she's chews just on a bone. <laughs> We're gonna get started now. Alright, so, we are gonna be talking today about the Iron Goat Trail, located near Leavenworth, Washington. Ooh, Christmas capital. The Christmas capital of Washington. Yes. I do enjoy Leavenworth, but it's not in Leavenworth. It's near Leavenworth. Near. It's near. Anyway. So we're going to be talking about the Iron Goat Trail today. And the... I'm just going to get started by saying um, a little bit of history about this trail. So the Iron Goat Trail. Gert... The Iron Girt Trail. Let me clear my throat real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Gertie. Okay. So the Iron Goat Trail was first established, at least the first four miles of it were established in October of 1993. And it was made by uh, a joint effort between the U.S. Forest Service, uh, the Washington State Public Transportation, and Volunteers for Outdoor Washington. And the idea for the trail was born through uh, a volunteer named Ruth Itner. Itner? It's spelled like I-T-T-N-E-R. So I think it's Hmm. Itner. Itner. Um, She was a volunteer for the Outdoor Volunteers of Washington and a nature lover. And um, in 1987, she had the idea to build a trail along these old railroad tracks and make the dedication 
to the site of an old accident. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. By the name <laughs> of the Wellington Avalanche. Oh, man. <clears throat> so, again, she had this idea in 1987, and they had a very difficult time finding like the tracks to kind of put this trail along because this town had been abandoned uh, for at least at least 50 years. Oh, so, so just it, like a little bit of time. You know, it had been some time. Um, it needed some upkeep and they had a, a hard time and, you know, it was established over multiple years. You know, they put ended up putting more miles and adding onto it. But the trail as of now is about almost 10 miles long. Oh, wow. And it has two different entry points. But, um, yeah, so it was all because of this lady, and uh, she worked together with the U.S. Forest Service, uh, the Washington Native Plant Society, and the Society, or the Seattle Audubon Society, to establish the trail and catalog the nature and the animals, and it was complete in 1993. Um, so, Itter was there for many of the development of the trail, obviously, helping and volunteering and, like, doing all the prep work and all that good shit, and, uh, in the development, she stated that she could hear train whistles while they worked off in the distance. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Were they along the tra- uh, the train tracks the entire time? Basically. Okay. So, uh, but that kind of leads into the kind of backstory behind this trail and this. Deadliest avalanche that killed almost 100 people. Da, da, da. That's anyway, very, I'm sorry. It's very serious. <laughs> yeah, I know. My bad, guys. My bad. Like we're we're fucked up. Um, True. It's sorry. I I have more empathy when I get into the real meat and potatoes. And so here we go. <laughs> now that I got this, uh, not. You know, I got that backstory. You should go check out this trail, by the way. It's spooky looking. We are going to go ourselves. And before I get any further into this recording, because I do realize that we are now 13 minutes in and I haven't even started. This is... Sorry about that. Um, the dogs were getting bananas. We had to put them in line. Uh, so... This is probably going to be a two-parter, because Ashley has a hair appointment today, and I have nothing better to do, but I'm going to go home and chill. But this is a super long story, so if you like this first half, stay tuned for part two. And, you know, maybe I'll get through it, but maybe I won't. I'm so excited. You did so much research on this. It's definitely worth a two-parter. It's definitely worth a two-parter. As far as I'm concerned, I was taking this very seriously at the beginning, and now I am at a point where I've looked at it too much, and I'm kind of like, fuck it. So, (laughs) sorry. Here we go. All right. Taking you back to Wellington, Washington. It's 1910. It's February, late end of February, and um, we are not starting in Wellington, Washington, which you probably haven't heard of because it is now a ghost town, but we're kind of starting in um, Spokane. Ooh. Starting in Spokane, if you know where Spokane, Washington is. (laughs) Okay. So, 
Um, the tracks were built through Stevens Pass, which is uh, kind of a mountain range between separating like eastern Washington from western Washington. And the tracks were built through Stevens Pass, uh, Pass as um, a way to connect kind of the rest of the world back in the 1800s to the west coast of Washington. Oh. So there were obviously tracks established um Connecting like the East Coast to like the Midwest to the South, but there was this whole big chunk that was really underdeveloped and underpopulated because these damn mountains called the Cascade Mountains. <laughs> Nobody could get through these damn mountains, and they were really hard to put train tracks there. And it was a huge effort, and it was eventually done. Um, and this train line was put in. Great Northern was the company that built the railroad tracks, and they were completed in 1893, and it was due to the leadership of a James J. Hill. Um, He bought out the railroad line with some partners, and uh, the line was based originally out of St. Paul, Minnesota, but with his dedicated efforts, his um, cut in costs, and his... Intense stubbornness. This guy made it happen. James J. Hill was a rough and tough, no nonsense guy, complete with one eye. He had one eye. And you want to know how he lost his fucking eye? There is nothing I want to know more of right now. He was shot in the eye with an arrow as a child. Oh my God. What an 1800s ass way to lose an eye. Like, sorry, man. Just hit you on the fucking eye. Sorry, kid. Are you okay? Let me pull it out. Oh, you got one eye now? Okay, well, you know, doctors and shit, you're going to be fine. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he was the guy that built this uh, this railroad. He was the reason that it kind of exists. And um, he did a really cool thing of, like, connecting the Pacific Northwest to the rest of the world. And... Um, he was also like a really terrible fucked up guy. And ugh, we'll, we'll get more into it. But anyways, this guy, he had one eye. He was no nonsense. He was like, let's do it. And um, everybody told him, like, bro, this is a bro. bad idea. Um, everyone has said these are impossible mountains to conquer. It would be dumb as hell to put a train track through here because it's a fucking mountain <laughs> um and he was like whatever man like i know it can be done i i can do this uh, i'm not gonna out. do it but like i guarantee you guys can and also i'm gonna pay you like four cents an hour so <laughs> <laughs> chop chop get to work <laughs> that's what i mean then he was like a terrible that's stupid but anyway he gets his karma we're, co- we're gonna come back to it maybe in part two um so Despite all of the warnings from various people, the train tracks were put in, and it took a really long time to get them done. Well, but, yeah. But um, nevertheless, it was done. 1893. Big fucking news. Anyway. <laughs> so we're fast forwarding. It's February 22nd. It's 19. 19- it is a train line that's running from Spokane to Everett, and. Um, so nowadays, this train ride takes a little bit more than eight hours. And when I was doing all this research, I was trying to find out how long this would have taken in 1910. 
And according to this book I read, one passenger had given himself an ample 36 hours with a little bit of wiggle room to get to, you know, from Spokane to Everett, which is a little bit north of Seattle. Um, But I also tried to find out, like, how long it would have taken, and it was really hard to figure out. It was like a three-hour drive. You know, but cars back then. But cars, it probably would have been a day drive. Would have been a day drive. You know what? Even now, thinking about it, Spokane to Everett is probably a solid, like, six-hour drive. Oh, yeah. Because it takes four hours to get to Spokane from here. It's so fucking long. It's a really long drive. And it's, like, it would be different if it wasn't through the mountains. Anyway, so (laughs) it takes about 20, a little bit more, I would think, than 24 hours. And this train was uh, carrying passengers and mail. So there was a mail train and a passenger train, you know, one in the front, one in the back, little caboose. And uh, train number 25 was carrying the passengers, and train number 27 was carrying the mail and, like, the mail clerks, like, the mail employees, the dudes that were sorting the mail back there. And their little shorty shorts. I bet they were wearing (laughs) short-ass shorts. I bet they were so cute. yeah. Maybe in 1910, maybe not. And also it was February. Either way, they had those sweet little hats and those sweet little shorts in my mind in the story. (laughs) Um, They get picked up. Uh, about 7 p.m. on February 22nd. And little did they know that their journey was not going to end for about six days. So all of these passengers thinking they're going to take a 36-hour train ride. That's fucking false. That bum, 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 overshadow. (laughs) All right. Some of them will never return. And I'm going to kind of go into days with this. Like, I read this book, and if you haven't read it, you should pick it up, because it was super brutal and fascinating. But it was called The White Cascade. Um, America's Deadliest Avalanche. The Great Northern Railway Disaster. It looked like a really good book. It's very long, and it was written by Gary Kirst, and it's super detailed. So if you want more detail, just pick up this book. Or, you know, use Google, but I got a lot of super great, you know, small detail information from this book. Um, so, they get picked up 7 p.m. You know, passengers are like, you know, they're chilling out. It's dark. It's winter. They're going to spend some time sleeping. You know, it's like a late night. You know, it's like a red eye. So, they wake up on uh, the 23rd, and they are in a place called the Cascade, Cascade Tunnel Station. Um, which is a little bit past Leavenworth, and they got there in the early hours of the 23rd. Um, so this was like a regular stop on the line from Spokane to Seattle, like because it'll make stops along the way, kind of like a bus. You know, people getting off, people getting on, blah, blah, blah. But this isn't really a like a passenger destination stop. This is more like a depot. It's a stopping place essentially just for the train swaps of crew you know they're gonna get more coal they're gonna feed their 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 crew um they got like extra machinery stuff laying around things that they might need it's not really a stop it's not a town it's just like a depot it's like a workers depot okay so they're gonna fill up on everything they need swap out what they don't and you know carry along the merry way so um, it was when they got to Cascade Tunnel Station that the weather started to get a little bit concerning. 
Um, not like too, too, not too scary, but like it started to snow. The wind was starting to blow pretty hard. It was real chilly. And this was causing the, the, the tracks while they're paused to kind of freeze over and start building up on snow. Normally, this isn't a big deal because, you know, they have workers for this. They have shovelers. They have laborers. They have these things called rotaries, which are like giant train track snow plows. Ah! Uh, Excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, (laughs) Got a little hiccup. It was snowing, and, you know, it's not usually a big deal, but... By 7 a.m., the passengers are kind of starting to wake up and become a little bit more aware that their train is, like, not moving. And they're like, where are we? How long have we been here? What? What's going on? And then, um, obviously, by the time this time, they were realizing that the storm had intensified. And now snow was falling to a point of like rapid rate causing the tracks to be very difficult to clear even with like all hands on deck and it stated i'm I'm just going to read this quote from to you um you could not see 25 feet in front of you holy shit it was straight up blizzarding blizzard and if you're from washington if you're from like the mountainy range you know like there is snow that gets up there that's where all the skiing and shit goes on all the outdoor sports Dwight, you're so cute. I'm sorry. He just like walked He's just in, playing with like a little it. noose, and it's like um, it's my yoga strap, my mat mm. strap, and he just like took it. He just took, took it, off. and he's like, you know what? I'm gonna check this out, but I also don't want this. I'm gonna leave this right here for you to pick back up. Okay. <laughs> sorry, my cat's <clears throat> one of the cutest ever. So, and they are. There's no denying it. So you couldn't. They're sitting in like a pretty big blizzard storm. They're just kind of sitting ducks, waiting for um, the snow to kind of stop, and so they can dig themselves out and kind of continue on on their journey. But there was a snow slide that happened to the west, blocking the tracks from Cascade Tunnel Station to Everett, and this happened a few miles further down the line. So they weren't even really close to it, but it was preventing them from, like, moving forward towards their final destination. And so they weren't stuck, per se, but they were definitely on a delay. Okay. Now, what's the difference between a snow slide and an avalanche? I don't know. Okay, cool. I don't know. That's fine. <laughs> Maybe a snow slide is something that happens, and it's just like a little itty bitty thing that causes like a minor inconvenience. Okay. And maybe an avalanche is like kind of a big event that causes a little bit more of an, an inconvenience. Like it takes a lot longer, I think, to dig through an avalanche than it does like a snow slide. Okay. You know, I've seen a snow slide, and I was hiking once, and it was very inconvenient, but we did get around it. Yeah. As far as, like, an avalanche goes, I think that's just, like, a lot more snow, and it kind of changes the landscape, so I imagine that's what the difference is. We'll go with it. I trust you. I trust that information I just made up. I Absolutely. Don't know. It, sounds, it sounds 100% legit. 100% legit. I am an avalanche scientist. Um, so, there was a snow slide that happened to the west, and uh, to add... To the problem at hand with uh, the worsening weather, the rotaries that were being used to plow the tracks and stuff, they're being used hard. 
they were being used and abused, and they kept breaking because this snow, it wasn't like regular little fluffy snow that you can normally just like plow away. It was hard ice-packed snow. So all of the effort that they were making was taking like four times as long. It was really hard to dig through. The machines kept breaking, and they just, the problems kept piling up. And so it was causing this major delay. And uh, so now I'm going to introduce a guy to you that was kind of like head honcho in charge of keeping this track, like, you know, on track. Um, Keeping uh, the passengers safe. He was in charge of, like, keeping the lines clear. He was just, like, head dude, but not, like, main boss. You know, he's, like... He was, like, the guy. He is, like, upper management. And he was the superintendent. Um, So his name was... James O'Neill, and he was regarded as, like, a super great guy. He was super hardworking. He had been working in the railroads, like, his whole life, essentially. He started working on them when he was 12. Ooh. Which, you know, child labor laws weren't that crazy back then. So it, it made sense. So he had been in the game for a long time. He knew what he was doing. Everybody respected him. He was a really hard worker, and he wasn't the type to, like stand in his office and be like, okay, well, this needs to be done, so go do it. He was the type like, okay, we got all these problems, like, we're going to go out and fix them together. That's nice. He got down in the dirt. He was a hard worker, and, like, he was um, kind of a legend. Uh, So he is noticing, like, he gets notification that there is a train trapped at the Cascade Tunnel Station. And he's like, all right, so... We got this issue. Let's deal with it. We're going to get this train dug out from the tracks. We're going to make it happen no matter how much snow that there is falling. We're just going to keep working and not stop. And then the rotaries are going to eventually get repaired. We got more. Like, he had plenty. You know, I think he had, like, I want to say, like, eight. Oh, geez. Maybe even 12. For, For like, like, one track? For, like, one track. Which sounds like a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like an ample amount. Except when they're trapped. Except when they're trapped. So, he's getting plans to uh, get more rotaries coming back up. Like, just keep going, guys. It's just a minor delay. He's sorry, but they're going to figure it out. Sorry about it. Sorry about it, but, like, it's going to be okay. He had handled, you know, situations like this before. He'd been around the game for a long time. Well, yeah, he's been there since he was fucking 12. Like a boss-ass bitch. Like a boss-ass bitch. But, oh, yeah, what was I saying about... Oh, yeah, so if you're native from Washington, (laughs) you know, we do get snow up in the mountains. But, like, essentially late February to early March, it kind of, like, lightens up in weather. It starts to get warmer. It's kind of starting to turn to spring. So the fact that this winter storm was happening, like, pretty late in the season wasn't super alarming. But then when it started happening, like, very aggressively and persistently, they were like, fuck, this is weird. Weird weather, guys. (laughs) Weird weather. (laughs) (laughs) They were used to the snow, but they weren't used to, like, the rapid rate, uh, like, what was happening. Anybody else think this is weird? (laughs) Anyone else think this is weird? So, like I mentioned, the Cascade Tunnel Station wasn't really, like, a station at all. It was more just a depot for the workers, the laborers, um... They had, like, a a few makeshift shacks, but there wasn't, like, anywhere really for the passengers to go. Um, They were being fed out of the beanery, which was kind of, like, what the workers were fed at. Then they probably, like, only served chili. (sighs) 
they probably only served chili, you know, and the people that worked there also were like not most like they're not the most wholesome savory people they were just kind of like <laughs> mainly drifters that were picked up and handed a shovel and they're like we'll pay you a little bit and they're like deal i'm here but you know like they didn't really know they didn't do background checks a lot of people were just passing through working seasonal jobs um anyway so the passengers were being forced not forced to you know um interact with the workers or anything but they were being fed with them so it kind of back in 1910 i imagine people were more polite and they're like how's your day going over there so i've actually never heard that term beatery so i mean either i didn't even google it i just took it for what it was and i was like all right it's a beatery never heard of it but whatever yeah so (laughs) they had been stuck there for Almost two full days at this point, um, trying to get the train dug out to move, Ugh. and uh, they were just having a super hard time making this, this happen. Like but then the people working at the kitchen, which the passengers like, did regard the food as like, nevertheless, it was delicious, though it wasn't the most savory breakfast I've ever had. Like they were just, you know, people have always found something to fucking complain about. But I suppose if I was being fed slop in a shack, I would also have some questions. But (laughs) again, you know, people were uh, the the workers for the beanery. They were like, hey, listen here. We don't have the food to feed all of these people. We're not supposed to be accommodating people's meals on this train ride. It was a pretty relatively short trip so people like packed their lunch they packed their dinner they're supposed to be off the train yeah there was no meal prep for this situation and then the beanery started to run out of food so um o'neill main man he was like okay so we're gonna dig this train out and we're gonna move these passengers up to wellington which is an actual town it has a hotel it has a restaurant people can um you know kind of stretch out get out a little bit and wait for them to get the tracks clear to the west so that they can continue on their journey like this is still just a minor delay he's like it's fine it's fine it's under control it's no big deal no big deal actually it kind of is a big deal but like it's just weird weather guys don't worry your cute little faces. we are gonna be okay this is just like it's still just like a minor delay like right you know what are you gonna do so um Again, they were at Cascade Tunnel Station, trapped there for two days in the snow. And um, on February 25th, they finally made it up to Wellington. They managed to dig out the passenger train, detach the mail train from the back of it, and then they kind of moved them both as, like, separate items. So the passenger train was pulled out first um, into, like, the early morning hours, I believe. And then the trail, like, the mail train kind of followed it a little bit further behind but they eventually both ended up in wellington okay which is just a few miles west so they hadn't hit that uh blockade yet but they still weren't able to go much further but wellington was a much more family friendly you know they didn't have like the train riffraff yeah they had accommodations like okay. there was an actual society people lived there people worked there was there a shuttle <laughs> no <laughs> you had to fucking walk 
<laughs> to be born in the 1900s. Uh, walking. Gross. How dare you? How dare they? Which is why they built train tracks in the beginning, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> They're like, ugh, walking millions uh. of miles. Uh, so, Wellington was a railroading town, and it was established in 1983. Again, like, when the tracks were being built, the citizens of Wellington were kind of working in and out of this area, and then when they kind of started to, like, set up shop, they set up shop. Like, they had uh, put in a hotel. They had put in, like... Um, a restaurant there was a bar or a tavern there was a few like houses that actually belonged to people blah 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 the nightlife the nightlife the generosity of the hotel workers (laughs) anyways yeah it was just like a little community like it wasn't huge but there was more places for them to go than you know just the meanery i was gonna say it wasn't just so where they parked their trains So, like I said, the passenger train came in first, and the thinking behind the railroad workers was like, okay, they're going to get off the train, we're going to put it next to this retention wall that is, that people can walk up basically right up to the hotel. With all of the snow that was piling and piling and piling, at this point, I think it was like feet deep. Holy shit. So, they were shoveling like a path, they were trying to make it... Like, the most convenient, essentially, that they could for everybody to kind of get in and out without trying too hard to walk through all of this snow. And so, if you picture this, the passenger train was below this retention wall, kind of below the hotel, and uh, it was explained to them. The reason they can't park in the tunnel, because if they parked the trains into the tunnel, essentially, they would all die. Oh, the trains good. were running on coal, mm-hmm. and it was not ventilated. So if they, you know, they learned this from experience. <laughs> oh, you don't park trains in the tunnel because all the fumes and the smoke will choke you to death. All the carbon monoxide oh will just God. make you go a little nighttime forever. Just, uh, they learned they that said, from experience. I mean, they didn't let the trains park in the tunnel. There was a reason. They learned it from experience. You can't park the trains in the tunnel. You just can't. Right. Made Everybody's going to die. Like, they already made that mistake. They fixed it. This is the best place to park these trains. They were assured by everybody working on the trains. They were assured by the laborers. They were assured by the citizens in Wellington because they were still, like, asking around after, like, the everybody on board, kind of, like, authoritative, was, like, kind of shoving them off. Like, guys, we're going to be fine. Bro, come on. Dude, don't even make a big deal. Like, nothing has ever happened. (laughs) Again, right? But, no, we cannot put you in the tunnel because then something will happen. See that? That one. You don't want to fuck around and find out with that. I promise. Oh, God. So. (laughs) Words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. (laughs) If you don't want to find out, don't fuck around. Um, So... They were kind of dismissed, and, like, that was essentially it. Like, they were kind of dismissed. And so people were like, fuck, okay. Like, this is, but it is what it is. Sure. And, again, they were getting reassurance from even the locals. Like, no slides have ever happened, especially, like, in that particular spot. Like, really, there's nothing. You shouldn't be too concerned. You should be concerned about this snowstorm. Like, what the hell is this weather? <laughs> See, this is something to think about. So Not they this. were Don't kind think of this. left feeling ignored, but well-fed. They did mention that they ate beef every day. And although it got tiring, at least it was beef. And not beans. And not beans or slop. 
<laughs> but, yeah, so they are trapped on this ledge. They have the freedom to come and go. But again, like, there's a block happening to the west. And then, da da da, there's a block that happens to the east. No! They can no longer go forward. And guess what? Even if they wanted to go back at this point, I think this is like, what are we at? Day three? Uh, there ain't, they can't go back either. Sorry, guys. <laughs> they and are with that, stuck. <laughs> they are stuck. They are on a cliff. They are in Wellington, Washington, eating beef and being so bored of it. <laughs> and that is where we are going to pause. Oh and I'm going to leave you on a cliff for part two. The suspense, the cliffhanger. A cliffhanger, if you will. <laughs> We're so stupid. So stupid. Anyways, um,. Yeah, so part two, two. C- come and come on back. Uh, I promise we will try to stay more on track for the next one. We'll try. I- We're gonna try our hardest. We do our best. I give at least seventy percent, right? Every single time, That's like every so time I do something, I give at least seventy percent. That is so many percents. I'm gonna make a seventy percent promise, which is a C average <laughs> of a promise. So don't even come after me. But I'm gonna make a seventy percent promise that the next episode we will not derail, <laughs> derail so much, <laughs> derail on the cliffhanger. Hey, it's Magara. And I just wanted to say, before you head off to do whatever you're going to do, um, you can check us out at on Instagram at uh, Kowaka, C-O-A-C-A podcast. And then you can also email us any traveler's tales that you have or anything nice that you want to say to us. Um, and our email is C-O-A-C-A podcast at gmail.podcast at gmail.com. Send us your spooky stories. We want to hear about all the haunted roads you've been on all the haunted places you've been to. Tell me all about them, ghosts, that have been haunting you since your childhood. Email us, podcast at gmail.com. Okay, bye.